listening to Octagon 24-7's podcast, MMA FanCast. It's MMA for the fans, by the fans. We talk about only the important things you want to hear. Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. That is correct. You are listening to MMA FanCast, and we are brought to you by Octagon247.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Fight Week UFC 215 right around the corner. We have a short week this week with Labor Day. And ladies and gentlemen, I am your host. My name is Ryan Middleton. I am joined by two of the best-looking ogres you're ever going to meet ladies and gentlemen let's start first with the living legend jim sahara mooney what's up what's up what's up it's good to be back feels like forever but i'm here and i'm here to stay also joining us is our good friend, a man who has quickly become legendary in the MMA world, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Dice Bailey. It's good to be back. My wife has officially changed my name and her phone to Dice. So thank you for that. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean, we are the home of nicknames. We are the home of doing all things uh to embarrass each other and so hey if that's what it takes although that's not a very embarrassing nickname i gotta come up with something a little more embarrassing for you yeah it's just pretty solid so i'm just gonna leave it at that i like it we'll we'll stay we'll stick with dice sounds good i'm still trying to figure out this view we got a new program to help us with this podcast for the video portion of this podcast and we're still i'm still navigating this i'm hoping that it records the way it's the way i'm trying to have it record hopefully um we don't get finished with this and have uh jim's face on the screen the entire time because that would be just about the worst that would be pleasant pleasant that would be devastating and yeah well, anyway. my fan mail says different yeah, who uh, you got? You got your kids on a fan mail now? No, they're not allowed. Before we get into breaking down the UFC 215 card, um, there's a couple other little tidbits um, I wanted to talk to you guys about the UFC Mayweather McGregor fight um, was obviously streamed via Showtime pay per view was when was uh, streamed online with Showtime and and all of theirs and it was also streamed online with uh UFC.tv and there were some issues there Jim you experienced that firsthand I did and I I thought for sure that I was going to be calling you up and telling you to set up a Skype session and just set your phone down so that I could watch it through your phone but um it took a while for the streaming to kick in on my side. I purchased 
the event through uh, through Fight Pass, um, UFC.tv, and it um, I had logged in early, and it just kept saying that um, I forget exactly what it was, but something about heavy traffic couldn't be logged in at this time, and I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, by my time I was. Um, still watching the prelim stuff going on that was free and I still wasn't able to get in. I kept trying as you know, the fights were going on. And then we got to when it was time for the, for the main event and I still couldn't get in. And I, you mean when it was time for the main portion of the paper for the pay-per-view to start, not the main event. Correct. And I kept getting that same message. And then I tried um, going through a browser um, instead of, because I was, uh, I was going to stream through uh, my Xbox and I'd never had issues with it before. Five minutes goes by 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I start panicking. And that's when I was thinking, you know, this is, this can't be just me. Cause I had, um, powered down my um, my modem. I did a restart of everything, and finally, I uh, I checked um, the internet out there, and sure enough, it was going on all over the place. People were not able to get in. The server was down, and I had found out that um, both McGregor and Mayweather knew that this was happening, and they were delaying because of that to make sure that. Um, Make sure Jim Sahara Mooney was able to tune in. Yeah. uh, McGregor had texted me and said, you know, let me know when you're in, bud. And so I did. And I think that's what caused him um, to forget his cup and his mouthpiece. He was was worried about me viewing. See, that's that's the weird thing is, I mean, he keeps his friends close and his enemies even closer, apparently. Mm. But the, the funny thing is, uh, Andrew and I didn't, we didn't order via US, UFC TV because McGregor sent us tickets because he likes us. He we didn't send you plane tickets, though. We were there live, so <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so as a result of that, the UFC made the determination that, hey, our streaming service provider is not doing their job and new lion is now no longer a UFC streaming service provider. They have been replaced by fight TV, new UFC service provider. So that'll start actually this weekend with the card we're going to be talking about today. Hopefully all goes well. There's always, you know, it's always scary with a transition. I mean, I think, Looking at UFC 216, there's not much worry. But with this being their first one, there could be a couple hiccups. Yeah, for sure. And I think they're using – I mean, it kind of works out well. This card isn't the – this card isn't 214. You know, it's nothing. It's not 217. It's not overly loaded. It's not the GSP card. I mean, it's still an important pay-per-view, but as far as pay-per-views go, I think this is a good test run for the new streaming service. Are you playing with your audio? Yeah, what just happened? That was weird. Now it's starting to shift over to the speaker, but before it wasn't. 
on my screen. Hopefully, it. We're, we're we're trying to just like the UFC and providing a new streaming service. We have a new, um, you know, service to take care of our video podcast, so you can see all of our ugly faces. So. Uh, we're trying to upgrade our stuff too and work through those kinks. Way to pick it up there, guys. Um, yeah, what he said, I totally disagree with, but go ahead. Uh, the next thing I, I kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about this, It and it has to do with Jose Aldo and – um, don't call me Jose Jose. And he has basically discredited Conor McGregor for his, you know, the fight with Mayweather. And he's really said, you know, I don't think that was any kind of good thing or moral victory or anything like that. And I'm not all for moral victories. All I'm saying is everyone ended up a winner. McGregor looked good. Mayweather got a finish. Everyone wins, and all those quick to shoot that down. Your guys' reaction? Complete sour grapes. He's just such a sore loser. Get over it. Like we, every, I remember three years ago when we used to take Jose Jose Aldo seriously. He was a great champion, but ever since he got knocked out in 13 seconds, he's just become a joke insulting uh, people on Twitter and just trying to cling to relevance. It appears like with Connor's coattails and it's, 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 it's just annoying and it's not a good look for him. Uh, Agreed. He, um, it's just all sour grapes at this point. And he was the guy that you looked at as being professional and everything that he did. And I'm not taking away his skills, but he's got um, his, uh, physical skills inside the octagon, but he's got some things lacking when it comes to um, professionalism and respecting the sport and what's going on around him. And I didn't think that uh, that his um, reaction to the McGregor fight right from the start was um, was where it should have been. But, you know, we saw that with a lot of other fighters. Speaking specifically about Aldo, though, it just it, – it sounded like uh, – like middle school um, talk, banter. I really don't think that Conor McGregor would have the popularity that he has if he wasn't the winner he was and the loser he is. And when I say that, what I mean is the example that he sets of, okay, I'll talk all this smack before a fight and I'm going to build and hype a fight. But when it comes down to it, I am here as a competitor and I will respect my opponent after post fight, win, lose, draw, doesn't matter. Um, the way he behaves with a win, the way he behaves with a loss um, towards his opponent is very respectful and very um, honorable and he doesn't walk around with sour grapes until he starts the promotion of another fight. So, you know, the Nick, the Nate Diaz thing, they've kind of jawed back and forth since then. Nate's pretty much, pretty much started that, but that's a fight that's going to happen again. So he'll entertain that, you know, but 
When when he wins or loses a fight, he gives credit to um, he gives credit to his opponent. He's very respectful, and that's where Jose Aldo. Everything Conor McGregor does, he just discredits and just thinks acts like he's not a good fighter and he's a chump and all this stuff. It just doesn't look good. It does not look good. It rubs me very badly. And someone's got to tell him that. You would think his trainer, someone would step in and just try to help him save face. But I, he's just so convinced at trying to play this villain. And I don't understand why, because it just comes from such a, the place it comes from is so wrong. Like you said, it's not out for debate anymore whether Conor McGregor's a good fighter or he's just all hype. He's answered that question. We know he is a good fighter. And just taking little shots like this is not getting him any closer to another fight. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to happen anyway. But I just don't understand that. He's just, although solely known at this point for just insulting McGregor, and he's just, He's just forever linking his legacy to that one moment instead of moving forward with his career. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't think the one thing, though, that um, is not going to happen, in my opinion, is that he's going to get some coaching on the situation. I don't think anybody in his camp is going to say, hey, you need to step up to the plate and change your tune when it comes uh, to your losses. But it's Granted, this is a guy that went – you know, a long time uh, between losses. And then all of a sudden he finds himself, you know, in three fights with two losses. And his camp is not going to coach him to do the right thing. Dana doesn't care because he sees it as, you know, good for the UFC when you have fighters hating on each other. It's uh, It adds to the buildup for any time they step into the octagon together. So I just I see Aldo as continuing to carry on the the crybaby poor me show, and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna help him with it. Someone's I don't think got, he's gonna learn. Someone's gotta let him know that it it does it tarnishes his legacy. It really does, and it makes me view him as a diff, differently than I always viewed him as a as a champion. And now I look at him. And when he says these things and he, he looks like a guy with, you know, sour grapes, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's what that is. I, I don't know. Um, Andrew, you mentioned something about him playing the villain or wanting to play. It, I don't think he's trying to do anything. I don't think he's trying to do that. I, I, I don't think there's any um, conscious effort to like be the bad guy. If he was, I would applaud that. That would be a good strategy because it, it would make people care about him. Now we're just kind of saying, dude, get over it. And it's not a good, be the villain. That's fine. He's not, and he has no intention of being a villain. He hasn't, he really thinks he's right. And, and really is looking bad in the process. Yeah, he's just coming off as whiny because when McGregor lost to Nate Diaz the first time, he and RDA as well were the two that were taking, oh, ha, 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 you lost, you lost. I mean, what other professional does that? Just marvels in another, in another in a, a colleague losing a fight. That's just that's, 
That's elementary. You, it's, it's, I can't stand it. I think it's extremely unprofessional. And I never thought I would view Jose Jose Aldo in this fashion because three years ago, I viewed him as one of the greatest mixed martial artists in the company, in the world ever. And it's just been, man, 13 seconds later, everything changes. Yeah, he's pretty bitter about that. 4.6 million people tuned in to see Conor McGregor box Floyd Mayweather. Those are the, um, that's what the numbers are indicating at this point, which would be right around, and I don't have the figures in front of me. What was Pacquiao Mayweather? That was right around 4.62, right? I think it was 4.5. Four, 4.5. Five. Four, five. So it would, it would slightly break the pay-per-view record. Dana White had mentioned 6.5 million. I don't know if that was a worldwide um, number or what, or, you know, Dana sometimes can inflate things. Uh, but maybe that I, it's probably most likely it came from somewhere. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that he was talking about a worldwide pay-per-view, which, you know, even 4.6 million is pretty much unbelievable. It's a win. I mean, it's still, by all indication, going to be – oh, yeah, fight broke. It was 4.6 million views, 6 million buys that Pacquiao fight was. But it's – I mean, this fight is still, I mean, headed towards being the single biggest pay-per-view of all time, and that, that's what they wanted. They got the UFC's name part of that with Conor McGregor. And Dana White does tend to get a little, I just want to say, excited and inflate the numbers possibly. And um, it's not a bad thing. But the real numbers are coming out, and they're still high. So that's all that matters. We have uh, – we're, we're excited. I, I, I know that uh, Andrew mentioned that this isn't a crazy, insane card um, for UFC 215 this coming Saturday. However, I'm very excited about this card. I think there's a lot of intriguing matchups here. I think that um, there's two title fights which is a big deal. Um, and I'm very excited for this, uh, this card. Um, it's headlined by Demetrius Johnson, who is looking like, well, not looking like, he is looking to break the record for most title defenses ever in UFC history. He has had a run that has been completely dominant. And tomorrow you will see uh, on Octagon247.com, uh, a real look into the historic run of Demetrius Johnson, written by Mr. Andrew Dice Bailey. So, Andrew, thanks for that article. I, 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 uh, we wanted to get it up last week, but um, we really felt that the timing was, was best for tomorrow. Yeah, thank you, and it's, it'll be fine. It'll be even better this week. And I just hope readers can really appreciate just how dominant he truly has been and just look at his numbers compared to other greats. So take a look at that at Octagon247.com. He's really, really took a look at how underappreciated the pound for pound king. And as a matter of fact, he's so unappreciated that John Jones comes back and wins one fight and is now was now ranked as the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter over Demetrius Johnson in the official UFC rankings. Well, uh, you know, if we take away um, all the outside stuff, I think that's 
that's a fair assessment. Um, and it's not taking anything away from Mighty Mouse. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, there is no denying what, uh, what Bones can do in the ring. Um, same thing with DJ, but um, I, I, just, I didn't think it was a slight. And I'm not sure that, um, that he would see it that way. Maybe he does. But um, I would see it that way. I agree. I, I don't know. I, I, I think if he, but whether he's been off for a year or a month, um, I, I don't see, if we're looking at the rankings, we're talking about who they're considering to be pound for pound, the best fighter. And, and I, I agree with the rankings. Does it seem unfair? Maybe, but um, you know, as far as what um, we see in the ring, you know, it didn't look like uh, Jones had really lost anything. So, well, I mean, when you take a look at Demetrius Johnson and his wins against a division that's stacked, and he's dominated that division, and these are guys that are athletes. And their skill level far exceeds the light light heavyweight division. I mean, just their movement and their their timing and their uh, their speed, their accuracy at the lower weight levels, I, I would argue, are far far greater than those. Because essentially, what I see is outside of John Jones. John Jones is an athlete and could play other sports and could do other things, but. When you look at the 125-pound division, the 135-pound division, 140, those younger, those lower weight classes, what are the best athletes that weigh those weights doing? They aren't playing professional football. They aren't playing professional baseball, hockey. They aren't playing basketball. They aren't playing any of the major sports in the U.S. They're, they, they either, they're too small for all of those. So the best athletes at 125 pounds are in the UFC. The best athletes that pursued, you know, wrestling or some type of martial arts are in the UFC. So I think that's why the, the competition and just watching a fight, like I, I love the bigger guys, but watching the bigger guys isn't the same as watching the little guys. The little guys aren't as exciting because they – don't knock each other out as much and stuff like that. But when you look at a, a, a skill level, those little guys are so much quicker and, and they move a lot differently and they give different looks and they, they have, um, you know, they don't have that one punch knockout power, but they have a lot. The, the talent level seems to me to be far greater than the, the upper divisions who yes. I even like watching more anyway. Yeah, especially the the flyweights are so technical in every little detail. So it makes Mighty Mouse even more impressive. Is I just it's just if you take his skill and put it in a one eighty fiver, it is going to crush anybody that we've ever seen. He is just he has no flaws in his game. Like there is no way you can fight him where you're going to have an advantage. And it's it's honestly remarkable. And I see. I think with Jones, like you could say, you know, it's hard to find an advantage. But I think as we watch the DC fight, he's he's got a little vulnerable on the feet, especially in close range boxing in the pocket. I think he's still 
he fights a little green. But with, with Mighty Mouse, whether it's at range, inside, in the clinch, on the ground, he's just – there's nobody better. So, all right, let's start – let's take a look at some of the fights on this card. Um, primarily the, the main card I want to look at. Uh, but there is also one fight outside of the main card that I think is an important fight and a very intriguing matchup. And that's Sarah McMahon versus Ketlin Vieira. Uh, that will be the uh, last prelim fight that will lead into the pay-per-view. And Sarah McMahon, you know, she obviously had uh, has had a couple um, setbacks. She lost to Ronda Rousey back in February of 2014. That was a big fight. It was kind of kind of quick. And that was when Rousey was this mystique and i think all of that changes once they lose that i i don't know that that fight would end up the same way but regardless um lost to rousey at 117 had a couple wins and then she she fought misha tate and amanda nunez back to back and lost both of those fights since that time she's gone on a three fight tear she's beat jessica i alexis davis and uh gina Mazzani and she has been dominant in those in those fights and this is a fight for her that if she comes back and gets a win that she's a fight or two away from from a from a title shot in my opinion I agree with you completely I I was really just I was not on the Sarah McMahon train and so you talked about this fight so I went back and looked her only three losses you just went over in her whole career are to Rousey when she was world-beating Rousey, Misha Tate, and Amanda Nunez. That's a murderer's row. And, I, yeah, I think she's as good right now as she ever has been, those last those back-to-back submission wins. I'm, I'm excited to watch her perform. I think it's going to be the best we've seen her, and she could be fighting the winner of the other fight on this card later. And and the, the thing about McMahon is – She's, uh, you can't forget, she's an Olympic level wrestler and, well, not Olympic level. She's an Olympic, former Olympic wrestler. Yeah. And so she's got a ton of skill. She's not one of these young, young bucks that are still absorbing and learning like, you know, crazy. She's, she's a, a little older and I think she has a run in her. And I think she has a chance to, you know, win this fight and, and make, get in that top tier of uh in the division and really uh uh you know have a chance at, at gaining ufc gold she's going up against ketlin Vieira, who is undefeated she's six and oh and she's a, a brazilian she's two and oh in the ufc she her last fight was against ashley evans smith got a unanimous decision this is going to be her toughest test by far so far however she has looked very good and she's a a brown belt in bjj and she's a black belt in judo she's got a a great skill set uh however she is very inexperienced and and that's where sarah mcmahon with her olympic experience her big show experience this is um gonna lead into the the pay-per-view. So this will be the most watched fight of the entire card. Um, 
big spot and uh, a big opportunity for both of these fighters. Well, I think that's uh, that's what the UFC is doing is trying to feature these two um, for maybe the uh, next in line or the next to be the next in line, um, depending on who wins this one. It's uh, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting fight to watch. All right. So, do we want to let's let's take our predictions for McMahon versus Vieira? I'm going to go McMahon via submission, second round. You can't just say submission. You gotta you gotta pick the submission. I will say a rear naked choke. Okay. Final answer, Mr. Sahara. Is that your final answer? That's my final. It's all you, Jim. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Vieira, uh, and I'm going to say um, UD. Ooh. Okay. You normally go split, but you're going UD? <laughs> okay. I am going to take Sarah McMahon. Um, I'm going to say third round ground and pound TKO. Uh, Andrew, you got those picks down? I got them. All right. Third round for McMahon. All right. Moving on, we go to the pay-per-view card. And we have a fight with two guys that have a tremendous amount of talent, but, however, have found wins in the UFC lately to be very hard to come by. One of them will continue to find it very hard to come by. And one of them will get the notch guys. We have Jeremy little heathen Stevens versus El Nino Gilbert Melendez. What do you guys think? Good dice. I think we, we talked about this fight a little bit last week, Ryan, and I'm all aboard the Gilbert Melendez train again. I'm all back on it, and the, the little heathen, um, not a big fan of. He comes in a little reckless, and I think it's going to be a great fight to watch. Seems to be a super entertaining fight. I'm glad this is the lead-in to the main card because I think they're just going to come in there, and they're going to trade. They're going to trade, and I think it's going to be really entertaining, and it's going to be a fun fight. Of, of, I mean, of guys that have been around forever, and are. I mean, it's still believe, unbelievable. Jeremy Stevens is only thirty-one; he's probably ninety in fight years. But I think it's going to be a great fight, and it's going to be entertaining. So everybody wins. Mister Sahara, um, I'm going with Melendez also, and uh, Andrew brought up a good point that uh, Stevens seems to be reckless um, at times, and I think that's what. Um, gets him in trouble that he loses focus and maybe that he he sees that as part of his game plan but you know looking from the outside in it seems to be reckless and I you know I've been a fan of uh, Melendez for uh, for a long time I'd like to see him come out on top and that's uh, that's what I'm calling I'm going with uh, split decision for uh, for Melendez 
There you go with your split decision. <laughs> I'm split on that though. The other half of you thinks it's going to be unanimous. Yeah. Um, Andrew, did you give an actual prediction? I did not. I'm going to go with Gilbert Melendez via oh I want to, I want to say something exciting. I really do, but I'm going to get a unanimous decision. Okay. Um, I like it. So just sink these numbers into your head, guys. Jeremy Stevens, we'll start with Jeremy. He is two and five in his last seven fights. Two and five. He has notable wins over Henan Barral, Dennis Bermudez, Darren Elkins, and his recent losses is Moy, uh, against Moicano, uh, Hanato Moicano, Frankie Edgar, uh, Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, Cub Swanson. Those are just his recent losses. So he has uh, quite a you – know, th this is also the guy who told uh, Conor McGregor that he was hardest – he hit the hardest in the division, and Conor McGregor said the famous – line who is this guy with the next one in there as well <laughs> so okay so that's jeremy stevens recent ufc history you take a look at gilbert melendez let's let's talk about his entire ufc history he is one in four in the ufc he has five ufc fights since he came to uh, the UFC in 2013, he has won one of those five. He's lost to Edson Barboza, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, and Benson Henderson, and he has only beat Diego Sanchez. With that being said, and with Gilbert Melendez being very inactive. He used to fight when he fought for Strike Force. He was fighting three times a year, two times a year. He has only fought once a year um, since he came to the UFC, with the exception of his first two fights. That being said, I am going against you guys and against the grain, and I am taking Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens in the second round. He's gonna he's gonna daze him. And he's going to jump on him, and he's going to ground and pound him. TKO win, second round. All right. All right. I got it written down. Good to go there. Any other comments on that fight? I'm, I'm actually really excited about that fight. It's not a fight for rankings. This is a fight for, like, two guys that are desperate to get a win, and that can be some of the most exciting fights. Um, guys that are – these guys are going to brawl. These guys are going to go at it. And this is the perfect fight to open the pay-per-view because it'll get the fans going. It'll get the atmosphere. I would, I would honestly be absolutely shocked if this fight wasn't talked about uh, with very high regard as like um, two guys going at it. And so I'm really excited about that fight. Not, not for any, you know, rankings or anything like that, but just a great fight, hopefully. All right, moving on, we have the second fight of the um, card where, uh, for UFC 215. It's a light heavyweight 
battle against Alir Latifi and Tyson Pedro. Uh, Alir uh, Latifi is a very strong and uh, high-level wrestler coming off of a loss against Ryan Bader back about a year ago. Um, and he hasn't fought since. And we got Tyson Pedro, who is by far um, getting his best opportunity to really make a name for himself here in the UFC. Any your guys' thoughts on this card, on this bout? On this fight, I, I like Tyson Pedro a lot. And the more I go into his history, the more I, the more I like him. I'm two fights in UFC so far, both first-round finishes, one submission, one first-round knockout. Uh, 25-year-old Australian, good boxing, good jiu-jitsu, long reach at 79 inches. I'm excited to watch this fight. I mean, light heavyweights like this are always fun because the chance of a knockout seems pretty high with both of these guys. And I like, I like the up-and-comer, Tyson Pedro, at 6-0, and moving that mark to 7-0, and getting it done via first-round ground-and-pound knockout. Wow. Yeah, I actually see it the same way. Um, uh, going back to what you said about uh, Little Heathen, I think this is going to be a reckless uh, fight by them too, which is good for us. We like to see the fighters just going at it and throwing bombs at each other. So I'm hoping for the reckless attitude coming from both of these. Although with um, Latifi, he's – he just – he looks like, you know, he could do that skadoosh um, from uh, – uh, what was it? Uh, Kung Fu Panda and, <laughs> and knock somebody out. But, um, yeah, I see uh, reckless between both of them, but uh, Pedro uh, being the one to maintain more discipline in this and – same thing with first round um, TKO. All right. Okay, let's take a look at the fight. We have uh, Latifi, who was uh, on a three-fight win streak before he fought Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader's a, a top-of-the-line of the guy um, and has since defected to Bellator. Um, however, uh, that was a – Fairly close fight until, um, and I say fairly close. It was uh, Latifi was, I mean Bader has a lot more experience on the feet, and it was clear that ba Bader was the better stand-up fighter. Um, however, until that, I mean Bader nailed him with a huge knee. I mean an absolute crushing knee. It was a it was a walk off knockout with that knee and uh it, all of that was due to latifi becoming predictable in, in his movements and bader just caught on that he was ducking like that and and that was actually the second or third knee and that one was the first one that really connected and it was just a beautiful walk-off knee knockout uh uh win but he had he had beaten a couple um high level guys in uh, first round knockouts and then a uh, decision against John Volante. Um, 
taking a look at Pedro. This is only his third UFC fight and only his seventh fight overall. That's a big deal. He doesn't have that level of experience. He's coming in. Um, this is his this is also his biggest te- uh, test to date. He has not gone in against a guy like Latifi, who is a extremely high level wrestler and a good overall mixed martial artist. A good he has a good solid skill set in, in everything. So um, that being said, I, I like the young guy. I, I think that he's going to pull it off, but I, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be uh, – uh, I'm going to give him a unanimous decision, um, but I think this is going to be a tough fight for him and a fight that he gr- has a lot to grow off of. He's only 25 years old. So if he wins this fight, it'll put him at 7-0, and and it'll start to put some new life into the light heavyweight division because I think he will – um, I don't know if he's ranked right now. I don't, I mean, he shouldn't be, he's only two and oh, but this will put him maybe in the top 15. He's 13 right now. Okay. He's number 13. So maybe he reaches top 10. Um, but I think that, you know, everyone likes to see some new life in the division. And, and, uh, I think that this was just the fight to do that. So I am taking Pedro with a unanimous decision. Is this the first time since uh, we all picked DC that we all agreed on something? Well, we all agreed on the winner. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That, so we're all we were all wrong with DC. Yep. But we were all right with Cyborg. Well, I mean that's <laughs> that's like the safest bet in sports. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. We have the a fight between Neil Magny. And Rafael Dos Anjos, we have uh, Neil Magny, who has uh, coming off of a win against Johnny Hendricks, and Rafael Dos Anjos also coming off a win off of from Tarek Safadine. So thoughts? Um, firstly, I think this fight is going to be just uh, a one-sided affair. Um, RDA is giving up six inches in height, 10 inches in reach. He's, he's staying at welterweight where his first fight against Turok Sefadine, he did not look good by any means. And Neil Magny's a big step up from that. I think Magny's going to, he knows not only is Magny long, he knows how to use his length to his advantage. And I think he's going to kick and punch and just keep RDA at the end of all his punches and sprawl any takedown attempts and just cruise through unanimous decision. Okay. So we got AB with Magni UD. Sahara. Okay, you're muted, dude. Did you hit the There we mic? go. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I agree with the outcome as far as who's going to win. I think this is a fight where um, intelligence of the fighter and knowing where the advantages are um, definitely lies in the favor of Neil Magny with, um, with the height advantage, the reach advantage, and he's a smart enough fighter to realize when he has something um, that's an intangible, you, you cannot um, – really equalize 
and I, I see it um, going close to uh, full three rounds, but I see uh, Magny eventually getting the, the win by um, TKO third round. Okay. Um, so taking a look at this matchup, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a, this is a fight that it de- completely dependent on where the fight happens. If the fight happens on the outside and, and is a boxing match and kickboxing match and, and Muay Thai contest, Neil Magny should easily win this fight. But if this fight gets in the clinch and is on the ground, then that's, that's, that's going to favor Rafael Dos Anjos. Will Dos Anjos be able to negate that 10-inch reach advantage? And will he come in with a game plan to strictly to set, you know, use punches to set up a takedown or shot or clinch? And um, Neil Magny, he's 4-2 and two in his last six. Guys, this is a guy who has put himself in very bad trouble in fights. He has, against Hector Lombard, he survived it, but for three minutes of the first round, or maybe even four minutes of the first round, he was getting absolutely pummeled. It is shocking that he that he survived that. He um, ended up with performance of the night for that, though. Well, he did, but he was in very, very bad shape, and he put himself in that position. He he, I mean, Hector Lombard is an aging guy, and he was still a lot faster than Neil Magny before he gassed. So that concerns me. Um, against Lorenz Larkin, he just got butchered and destroyed against Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin, that's as good as Lorenz Larkin ever ever looked, but it, it, it was also as bad as Neil Magny's ever looked, and that's a recent fight. Johnny Hendricks, that win, I kind of, you know, that's a unanimous decision, and I really feel with Neil Magny's – skill set and um where he should be compared to where he is i think he should have ended that fight um from a talent level he's beaten gastelum he's beaten eric silva um he's four and two in his last six in the usc and 12 and four in the ufc um all all told he has notable wins over johnny Hendricks, hector lombard kelvin gastelum his recent losses i i said are larkin and also to damian maya um, he, he is, I feel like he is extremely talented and he puts himself in very bad situations. Sometimes he gets out of them. Sometimes he doesn't, but he, he tends to put himself in very bad situations. Rafael Dos Anjos, um, obviously had his, his struggles at lightweight and has since moved up to welterweight. He's one to know as a welterweight with that against, against, uh, Tarek Safadine, obviously. That was a unanimous decision. The problem with Rafael Dos Anjos, do you guys hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. The problem with Rafael Dos Anjos is I don't think he game plans very well. Taking a look at, and that concerns me with this fight, taking a look at, um, you know, what he wanted to do against Tony Ferguson, what he wanted to do against Eddie Alvarez. I think he he stepped into um, – I'm trying to check my wires to see if that's me. I don't know. Um, I don't think he came in, or at least whatever his game plan was that led to success, um, 
took him down that road. Um, sorry for the distraction with that noise. I don't know where that's coming from, that buzzing. Uh, hopefully that's not on the recording and it's just us acting goofy. So with that said, I, I think Rafael Dos Anjos absolutely positively has the skill set to beat Neil Magny. I think that I think if he can um, go in there and have the have the um, just completely go in and only use his stand up to get the takedown, um, then he'll be in really good shape. But I don't necessarily think that that's what he'll end up doing, and that's where the problem lies. Um, so I am going to take Neil Magny. I wanted to take him third round TKO, but Jim already did that. So I'll take him second. That's all right. You can, you can agree with sound advice. No, I mean, I don't want to. Um, yeah. I, I think this is, I, I would not be surprised if Dos Anjos win, wins this because I don't feel like on a talent for talent, I feel like Dos Anjos has way more talent than we give him credit for at this point. I think we've kind of dismissed his talent level because of he, he did lose to Eddie Alvarez and Tony Ferguson, and he lost convincingly to both. Um, but I think his talent level is very high, very, very high, and I think he has all the tools to beat uh, Neil Magny. I think his talent level is surpasses Magny. I agree. Uh, but I don't think he he. I think he, he's going to have trouble with the distance. I don't think he's going to be trying to be a one-dimensional fighter and trying to take the fight to the ground. I think guys let ego get in there and say, oh, you know what, I can overcome this ten inch and stay on the feet. And that's what I think he'll. I, I think he'll get caught up in. Okay, I'm going to have to swing with. I'm going to have to box this guy. Yeah, and I want to go back to your point where you said he really never seems like he has a strategy. And I, I agree. I think he goes in there, and it's almost like he's just trying to wear his opponents out with volume. And he's just trying to – he relies on his cardio because his cardio is always outstanding. And I think at 170, Neil Magny's got some of the best cardio you're going to find. So that's also going to be an issue if he doesn't have a proper game plan because you're not just going to gas out Neil Magny in three rounds. Agreed. Anything else, Mooney? No, that's it. Okay. Well, okay, there is there's one thing I apologize. There's one thing I, I did want to say, and that was uh, with um, with Magny's last fight. He spent a lot of time on his back with uh, with Hendricks. And now, granted, we have to take into account um, the Johnny Hendricks of December 2016, and you know who that fighter was. And you know we've been all over his him and you know, which Johnny Hendricks we want to see. Um, but he did spend a lot of time on his back and ended up getting a unanimous decision. And we thought at that time watching the fight, we thought that um, Hendricks actually looked much, much better, like getting back to form. So, you know, there's there's something to um, keep in the back of your mind if if it does go to the ground that he showed recently he's got the game on his back to defend. Well, I mean, we're talking about two different levels of submission uh, with Dos Anjos versus, uh, versus 
Hendricks. Hendricks is more of a ground and pound, uh, you know, beat you beat you up badly from the mm-hmm. top position. Whereas, I think if Dos Anjos gets Magny on his back, he's not going to be looking for ground and pound. He's going to be looking for to take an arm and rip it off of him and, or choke him or you know, and not give it back. Correct. Well, I mean, take it home as a trophy. Yeah, because <laughs> he hasn't had a trophy in a while. Well, I mean, you know, there's no participation trophies in the UFC. There is not. Sort of. You can get performance of the night, fight of the night. That's not a participation. That You have to earn that. <laughs> yeah. If you're involved in a beatdown. You well, you don't, get a, you don't get a fight of the night when you're beat up. That's not a good fight. That's a performance of the night. I just want to see somebody get beat up. <laughs> It sounds like Bailey might be when he comes up here. I know, right? I'm just going to be the target of all of lights out, just all the aggression he's going to bring on me. He's going to take out all of his anger, his angst, and he's going to use that old man strength and just pummel you. Huh. It's, that, it's that geriatric ability, man. I just can't, I can't handle that. Dude, he, I've, I've, I've t- I mean, Mooney definitely has that old man strength. There's no <laughs> question about it. <laughs> to watch my back. Yeah, yeah, watch out. All right, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, a title fight for the women's bantamweight belt. We have the lioness Amanda Nunez facing off against Valentina Shevchenko. Um, uh, obviously, Amanda Nunez is coming off. Her last fight was actually quite a, quite a while ago. It was a huge fight against Rowdy Ronda Rousey. And, you know, taking a look at the fight again, you know, nine months later, whatever it is now, um, I I didn't remember the feeling. But watching the fight again, that feeling came back. And if you want to remember how that felt, go watch it again because it it all comes right back. so she's coming off of that win. She is on a, a long winning streak. I don't know. How many fights has she won in a row? I don't know. Andrew will start looking that up. And then she's on five in talking a row. About Only five? Yeah, she's won five in a row. She okay. lost to Kat Zagano in 2014. Okay. So, and then she's fighting Valentina Shevchenko, who has won two straight since her decision lost to Nunez uh, back in – March of last year, and she has a unanimous decision against Holly Holm, as well as an armbar, a really nice armbar sub against uh, Juliana Pena, who, you know, she wasn't, um, she was probably behind in that fight in round two. Uh, She has, so yeah, guys, go ahead. What's your thoughts on Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko? Um, this is my early prediction for fight of the night. I think you can make a legitimate argument for both women to win this. I think both are outstanding at what they do. I mean, their first fight was incredible, and you can look at so many different angles. How Nunez just, I mean, really controlled that first round. I mean, just really got the best of Shevchenko. And then the second round, it was a little closer, but Nunez still. I at least had Nunez winning that one. But then the third round, when you watch Nunez slow down a little bit, and the cardio became a factor. And that was only a three-round fight. 
I think that could be a big factor in this one because I really don't – I mean, she had, Nunes hasn't faced a striker of this level since, since Shevchenko. I don't think Misha Tate is as good a striker. I don't think Ronda – I know Ronda Rousey isn't as good a striker. And I think it's going to be a lot different for her to go outside the first round. She already struggles with the weight cut. She missed it at their, when they were first scheduled to fight this past summer. And – I th- I like Shevchenko, and I'm going to go fourth-round TKO, Shevchenko. All right, Sahara. Mr. Mooney. Yes, should I speak? Well, I mean, I feel like that's a loaded question. The answer is really no, but because it's a podcast, we'll let you. <laughs> so um, I, I find myself agreeing a lot with some of the things that Andrew said that, you know, as, as far as facing a, uh, a striker, a legitimate striker opponent for Nunes, you know, Shevchenko uh, poses some big threats. And I think, one of the biggest threats is her own body makeup. And she is a top-heavy fighter, top-heavy athlete. She's big in the shoulders um, from the waist up. And I think that she's bulky. And I I think that that um, in a fight like this is going to be part of – a factor in the outcome and, and uh, cardio, just like Andrew had pointed out round one, round two, and we saw the fade start to come along in round three, the last time these two met. And I, I see it um, going a little shorter, um, but basically the same thing I'm calling for round three um, TKO by Shevchenko. I just think that, Shevchenko is going to learn from their first meeting and really come with high pressure to, uh, you know, to start that gas pedal or the gas tank um, draining on Nunez. Now, you know, going back to her fight, and I'm talking about Amanda Nunez right now, she, um, she looked the same against Kat Zingano um, when they fought where she really took it to Cat, but then cardio became an issue, and Zingano just crushed her with some ground and pound to get to TKO on that. And I see the same thing happening here when it comes to uh, ultimately the finish, um, that there's going to be some nice exchanges, but I I think uh, Shevchenko is going to be high pressure the whole night, uh, which will – empty that gas tank a lot earlier and it'll be a round three TKO with uh, with ground a pound for Shevchenko and new. All right. Thank you, Mr. Sahara. Now for my analysis. So just taking a look at, uh, let's just talk about Amanda Nunez for a little bit. Um, Amanda Nunez was very, uh, and we were very critical of her as well. This rematch was scheduled for UFC 213 in July. She dropped out just prior the day of the fight. Um, 
she had a very difficult weight cut, made weight the night before. And then the next morning went to the uh, hospital and she cited chronic sinusitis for the reason that, um, that she was not feeling well, not feeling up to fighting. That has been questions. That's debatable. You know, what truly is the, the reason that she pulled out of that fight? Many believe it was because of that rough weight cut. And, but ultimately it happened. It is what it is. Her last fight was that quick and dominating win over Ronda Rousey. Um, Amanda Nunez is absolutely huge at this weight. She for a 135er, she is immense. And so um that's why she has uh, had tough weight cut. I would suspect she walks at 155, 160. Yeah. Um so I think that she is very large for this division at 29 years old. I don't see her being in this division much longer. I don't think she can take the weight cut for very much longer. Um, you know how, when you're, you, you hit those, you know, 30 years old and your body starts to, your metabolism starts to slow down. And, and I think she's going to face that. And I think that'll be, um, I think she might have three or four more fights in this division. Um, Valentino Shevchenko, she's won two straight fights since her loss to Nunez. Um, unanimous decision against Holm. Armbar versus Juliana Pena. That was the second round of the fight that she was, by most accounts, uh, losing up to that point. She has some very nice takedowns that are underrated. She's very good in the clinch. She's known for her striking. Um, I, I noted here she was in the clinch a lot and was losing uh, in the clinch versus Juliana Pena. Taking a look at their first fight, um, that like they said, it was a three-round fight. So you prepare for those a little differently than you do for a five-round fight. You don't need to reserve as much energy for later, so you can kind of let it, let it loose earlier. And Nunez did just that. Early on, she landed some hard body kicks. Um, she got top position several times in the in the first round and with Nunez being a, a BJJ black belt um that's a, a very uh a good position to be in and and somewhere where you can usually end a fight against someone who is not the level of um jiu-jitsu that that she is um she didn't end up getting that finish or even really getting any good uh submission attempts um, in the second Nunez got on top and had really bloodied Shevchenko up with some serious and, and, and brutal ground and pound. Um, Shevchenko, basically her defense, she tied up when she needed to and was timely in that. And so she, uh, um, mid, um, minimized the damage that was done on her, but she still got, got beat up pretty good. Uh, Nunez took her back with about a minute left and uh, had a body lock and the neck crank and was trying to go for the submission there, could not get it, made a mistake and got reversed with about 10 to 15 seconds left in the round. And that was the first sign we had that she was not, she was gassing. Um, then in the third round, it was all Shevchenko. Shevchenko dominated that third round 
not 10-8 dominate, like new rules 10-8 dominate, but not old rules 10-8 dominate. Um, she, uh, she landed early and countered Nunez's takedown. Nunez went shot for her, and she just kind of like, like pushed her back and landed on top of her. Another very clear sign that Nunez was, was, um, was gassed. Um, but Nunez was able to get back to the feet. She, uh, Shevchenko landed some big knees uh, to Nunez, and she basically dominated the rest of the round out. However, um, she should have known at that point. She clearly lost both the first and second round. She did not go guns a-blazing um, against a very tired Amanda Nunez. And I think that if she had, um, it would have gained a little more um, respect and, you know, just just fight IQ, like knowing you need to go all out to finish the fight. So basically she lost the first two rounds and then won the third round. And, and that reflected that in all the judges' scorecards. Still can't figure that noise out. Um, so that being said um, – I think you guys, when you guys are making your predictions, you guys are forgetting how dominant Nunez was and how she's gained confidence. She's now the champion. She's had, she's beaten legends since their fight, two legends that she retired, Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey. I think she goes in there like a champion. And I, I honestly, my heart wants Shevchenko to win. But my brain tells me second round, TKO, Amanda Nunez retains her Bantamweight belt. That's as long as she can make weight like a champion. That that will be, honestly, that will be, and like I said earlier, that's a, she is not going to make that weight much longer. No, I think the, I think the fight the UFC is, really hoping for is matching her up against Cyborg because that would be a great fight to mark up. And I think she's afraid of that fight. I, well, I think most women, you know, with a conscious and a pulse are as well. So well, here's the thing. At some point, I believe she's going to be forced into that fight because she's going to be, she's going to miss weight for a championship bout or something. And she's going to realize I just can't do this cut anymore. And um, that she'll be forced into moving up in the division or, or stop fighting and cyborg's the queen of the division at that point you don't have choices you see uh, tanya evinger came out recently said she wants to fight cyborg again she wants some more yeah well i mean <laughs> she didn't she take that on short notice like you mm -hmm. gotta give her credit she gave it i mean she was oh yeah you gotta say hey you have a better chance to do better with a full fight camp how could you not but she does look like a soccer mom <laughs> I just can't get over that. She doesn't look like she can beat Amanda Nunez. Or, I mean, Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg. Yeah, see, I, th I like uh, the Nunez um, matchup with Cyborg. I like that matchup a lot, actually. And I think, I mean, I, th I like that matchup better than Holly Holm Cyborg. I think it's the best matchup you can get for her. Yeah. How you doing over there, Sahara? Yeah. All right. Moving on to the main event of the evening, ladies and gentlemen, we have Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson defending his flyweight title against the Tasmanian Devil, Ray Borg. 
Andrew Dice Bailey, give me your thoughts. <laughs> it's the Taz Mexican Devil, first off. Oh, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> the Taz but Mexican Devil. Ray Borg's 24. He's a very talented grappler. He's very green on the feet. He's been outstruck throughout his career in the UFC. And I think in a few years, he could be one of the people that, you know, could contend to knock off Mighty Mouse, but not right now. He, he has a loss to Justin Scroggins just last year where he was just outclassed in every sense of the word. He, he, he struggles with high cardio people such as Dustin Ortiz who beat him in 2014 and strikers like Justin Scroggins. And when you talk about those two things, I mean, that epitomizes Mighty Mouse. And you're not – if you want to grapple with him, be my guest. He just made Wilson Hayes in his last fight look like a white belt. And Wilson Hayes is a decorated high-level black belt in BJJ. So I, I can't find any way that the Taz Mexican devil can win this fight. I think Mighty Mouse cruises and surgically – picks him apart to a second round TKO. How does that happen? Is that like a ground and pound or is that like a, I think he put, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll go ground and pound. I'll go ground and pound. I'm just, this is just curious. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I just can't see a, you know, mighty mouse with the one punch and then just a little bit. I think it's going to be a ground and pound. They just, they stop the beating. Yeah. Mr. Sahara. Yes. Yes. What you thinking, bro? Um, I'm thinking it is turning out to be a nice day. This is September, and the past week, it felt like October going into November. With that said, um, I am expecting close to lights out. Um, for Mighty Mouse in his victory, uh, I do think he uses his striking to get the submission. And I'm going with uh, with Mighty Mouse as the winner. I'm going to say round – I want to say round two. I'm leaning to round three, but I'm going to go with round – pardon me? How many times are you going to make me scratch out the round? You said second round, then you said third round. Now you're going back to second round? Yeah, but I, I'm probably going to call – I'm split on going with a unanimous decision. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going with, um, with round three TKO. All right. Third. Just through ground and pound. TKO. So is, is, does all of that – does the – the series that ends the fight, does that start on the feet or on the ground? Starts on the feet. Um, so he stuns him with a shot. I, I think volume. It's volume. And Mighty Mouse, you know, uses that to his advantage. Um, he has a, a slight reach advantage. I think it's uh, three inches. Um, at, at this size, I, I think it's – that's something that uh, DJ can definitely take advantage of. And I think it's going to be volume, maybe not necessarily heavy blows, but volume where Mighty Mouse takes that, takes the advantage and gets him to the ground. And uh, 
and I, I think he wants a finish this time instead of um, going for the submission, which we know he's mightily capable of, of getting a, a sub on any opponent. Um, I think he wants a finish in this one. He's got the spotlight on him, and he, I think he wants to make a statement. All right. Sounds good. Um, let me just start off by saying I think this is one of the biggest mismatches in a in a main event title fight in recent UFC history. Um, and off the top of my head, I didn't put no thought behind this. Off the top of my head, the only thing that stands out to me as a bigger mismatch is Anderson Silva versus Damian Maya when that fight took place. Um, with the age of Ray Borg, he has a great future ahead of him. He is not ready for what he's going to experience uh, come Saturday night. Um, t- so let's take a look at Demetrius Johnson first. He is on a, le- a 13 fight unbeaten streak, 12 0 1. He's won 12 straight. He had a they had a uh, a draw with uh, Ian McCall back in years ago. That was the last time he didn't win. And uh, five KOs, ten submissions, eleven decisions in that time frame. He's finished six of the ten title defenses that he has had. He is as a complete fighter as you're ever going to see. Um, and I think that having five KOs, 10 submissions, and 11 decisions um, on your record kind of shows that, um, that he can beat you, he can knock, you know, out-punch you, out-strike you, ground and pound you, or he can submit you, or he can outpoint you. He can do all of those things. And um, taking a look at Ray Borg, um, yeah, he had a good showing against Jussier Formiga. Um, got the, you know, unanimous decision there. Let's take a look. He's ranked third. How did he get there, you might ask? He fought Justin Scoggins back in February of last year. He was ranked 12th. He lost that fight against an unranked fighter. He only dropped one ranking. One point, he was now ranked 13th. He fights Luis Smolka, who is 12th. He wins that fight, a 12 versus a 13, and he moves up five spots to number eight. Interesting. Then he has a, a fight which he is favored against, against number three, Jasir uh, Formiga, and he wins that fight at number eight versus number three, and he becomes number three. That's how he got to the third become third ranked that's interesting to me because to me that is a very big push for someone um to be in this competitive division it's it's curious to me how a guy who has never fought or lost demetrius johnson jumps up like that in the rankings to make this a reasonable um a reasonable matchup. I don't think it's a reasonable matchup. I think Demetrius Johnson, all of the things that people, boxing uh, analysts and stuff said about Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor, 
That's going to be this fight right here. <laughs> Demetrius Johnson will never look bad in this fight. It will always be Demetrius Johnson looking better than Ray Borg. Demetrius Johnson has a ton of experience. He's seen – there is nothing Ray Borg can present. And he's in, a, he, he's in the prime of his career. He has not, he has not turned that corner of like – mid 30s yeah he's still young he's still 31 years old he's in the prime of his career both physically and mentally and he is going to systematically dismantle ray borg i hope it's not to the point where it stunts the career of ray borg because i don't think he should be in this fight i don't think you throw him to the wolves like this at this point However, that is what is happening, and Ray Borg is going to um, be outclassed in every way. Now, does Mighty Mouse tend to get early stoppage wins? Not usually. He got one as recently as UFC 197, a first-round TKO to Henry Cejudo. 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 So, um, so that, so I, all said and done, I think that he completely outclasses him. It's never really close from even the very beginning. It never is a point where you're like, oh, he has a chance. Doesn't happen. Um, Demetrius Johnson shuts him down, shuts him out, and gets a however i want to win i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go first round uh i i I actually doubt it'll be first round but you guys have second and third so i'm gonna say first so i'll say first round um i think he's going to submit him i think he'll get a submission um oh hmm. i think he's going to get an arm Armbar. Armbar. I could see it happening. So I just visualized that as we were speaking. I just, yeah. Hey, so that would be my prediction for the main event. I, I think believe- it, it's a downer of a main event. Yeah, I believe if he, if he lost, it would be the biggest upset in UFC history. I think Mighty Mouse is going off at minus 900 in the odds. I mean. Well, what was uh, – when I think of the biggest upset in UFC history, I think of GSP versus um, Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah. Okay. I was I was literally in my living room. I used to live in 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 a different you know part of the neighbor part of the area, and I was in my neighborhood by myself, going nuts at like whatever time it was, one in the morning or twelve thirty or whatever it was, going nuts when I saw that knockout by Sarah. Okay, that was still the biggest. That's that was a minus eleven hundred favorite. GSP was this would be this would be. I don't think this list has been updated, but it would be like about third, I believe. What um what was Anderson Silva against Weidman the first time they fought? I mean, not that I remember that as like a. I thought Weidman had a chance, but um, just Anderson Silva was unbeatable. Um. Yeah, that's that's what that fight, that win for Matt Sarah, that changed uh that changed a lot. Well, S- 
Silva was only minus 220 in their first fight. Wow. Yeah. Silva was favored in their second fight too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was finished at minus Just, 172. Okay. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have um, things available on Facebook. Like our Facebook page and check out and like and follow us on Instagram as well as Twitter. We also have a YouTube page, which if you are listening to this podcast right now, you can also watch this podcast on YouTube. We are uh, Octagon 247. Octagon 24-7 on YouTube. Um, yeah, check us out. Like, rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes as well. We have some things that are that are happening. We, we're going to be – tomorrow. next week's a big week. We'll have probably um, a couple podcasts for you next week uh, with the Fight Night card in Pittsburgh the, the following weekend. So we will be covering that for you live with uh, Rockhold, Luke Rockhold, if fighting the first time since losing his belt, he will be facing off against David Branch. Also a fight I'm really looking forward to with Mike Perry, uh, getting to see him fight live against Tiago Alves. Um, a very solid card. If you haven't taken a look at it, there are some – very solid fights in this card, and we will get we will be previewing that next week as well as recapping UFC 215. Um, we look forward to you joining us for that. It'll be a very special episode, a very special week, and multiple episodes. And Andrew Dice Bailey will be in Pittsburgh for UFC Fight Night. What is it? 115. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, UFC. Fight Night 115 will probably be podcasting live together. Um, I'll, I'll let Mooney back into the studio of Octagon 24-7. Think about that, Mooney. It's my studio. Oh. So, um, do you guys have any parting shots you want to add before people uh, go enjoy their day? Uh, I'll just like to add as much as we downplay Ray Borg, he is – one of the he has one of the brightest futures in the division and we have seen crazier things happen and that's why we love the sport so it's still a fight i can't miss yeah that, that one, is true that is one true. thing i wanted to add to that is um ryan i think you mentioned uh knockout or tko um speaking about mighty mouse and that you know that he is normally a, a submission guy but um who i find as his toughest competition or two of the three guys that I believe, um, you know, should be ranked one through uh, four. You know, I see Joseph Benavidez um, and Henry Cejudo um, along with John, John Dotson as his toughest competition. Um, his last two knockouts – TKOs were against Henry Cejudo and Joseph Benavidez. And I, I believe they were both first round yeah. um, TKOs. So I, I think he's, that's why I was going with him wanting to make a statement. I think this is a huge mismatch 
not taking anything away from his opponent, but um, I think he's going to want to make a statement with, with the knockout. I don't think it's a, a huge uh, – when I say a huge mismatch, I don't think it's a huge mismatch in, in the sense of raw talent. I think it's a huge mismatch in the sense of experience. Oh, yeah, experience, absolutely. experience and just having been there, done that, and seen just – Ray Borg hasn't seen the things that Dominic Cruz has. He hasn't been put in the situation – or not Dominic, Demetrius <laughs> Johnson – he hasn't been put into the same situations and he hasn't had to dominate. Like, I don't know. I, uh, he's, he's very good. He's very young and he will be uh, in the top of this division for a very long time. It's just, it's just, he's not ready for what he's about to, he, I think he's two years, two years is when this, this fight takes place and it's, and it's right. Mm -hmm. Right now, I, I could be wrong, but right now I don't think it's that time. Yeah, think about um, when we watched uh, the fight against Tim Elliott and the high pressure that Tim Elliott brought against Mighty Mouse. And, I mean, there was there were a few times where we thought, I can't believe we're watching this. He might get submitted. Mighty Mouse might lose. And experience is what – really played out and was the factor in that one because um, it looked like he might have um, going to submit to a choke by Elliot, but we saw Mighty Mouse with a thumbs up that he was still okay. And ultimately, you know, eventually he came out of it and, you know, I don't want to say he weathered the storm, but it was his experience experience that really – um, became a big factor in that fight, and he ultimately um, got the decision. That is true. That is all very true. That that about wraps us up on behalf of the entire crew and cast at Octagon247.com and MMA FanCast. We thank you for joining us, ask you to like, rate, review us on iTunes or whatever podcast medium you're listening to us on. And that being said, we look forward to UFC 215. We'll be back here next week to talk UFC 215 as well as previewing UFC Fight Night 115 right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you for listening. We say thank you, God bless, and have a great Labor Day weekend.